I want to welcome you this morning to our, our morning services on Zoom, online. Um, I don't know whether you've been um, before, if this is your first time this morning. Uh, we want to really welcome you uh, and pray that you open your hearts to hear God's word. That's all we want to do this morning. All we want to do is to share God's word with you and to really reach out with the love of God and the truth of God so that you yourself can be uh, moved by God himself, not by a church, not by a church, but by God himself. And I pray that you open your heart this morning to do that. I'd like to share this morning on a topic um, that I think is one of those things that is intriguing as, as Christians. It's one of those things that um, is spoken about, spoken about a lot. It's one of those topics that is quite liberating, liberating as, as, as Christians. And even I believe it's one of those topics that is often misunderstood by Christians, often misunderstood. In fact, it's probably one of those topics that over the centuries Christians have spoken about, maybe even um, tried to wrestle with, tried to get to the bottom of it, because there's this kind of under, trying to understand in essence what's it really all about. And yet it seems so simple, and yet it's so intriguing to people as well. And it's the topic of forgiveness, the topic of forgiveness. And to do that, I want us to go to Matthew chapter 18, a really popular passage where, where we talk about forgiveness. This is a passage that helps us understand it a little bit more. So if you turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, in chapter 18, and I want to read, I want to read this, this passage here about the servant, the servant that is um, being forgiven and then is struggling to forgive, to forgive someone else. So go with me to, to Matthew, Matthew 18. There is a problem that sometimes people um, have with forgiveness. I don't know whether you've actually seen there's a there's a, a bumper sticker or a uh, um, like a, a poster thing that maybe people sometimes put on their on their on their walls, and it says something like this: Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. Christians are not perfect, just forgiven. Now there's something something wrong about that. There's the spirit of that. Is there's something wrong about that when it comes to the Bible? That's not actually what the Bible teaches us. It's not the spirit of the scriptures and what it's actually trying to communicate to us. If the saying said something like Christians perfectly forgiven, then I'd, I'd understand that. That's, that makes a bit more sense to me, perfectly forgiven, because then it gives us a bit of an idea of what this forgiveness looks like. But to say Christians are not perfect, just forgiven, kind of just doesn't, it miss, misses the mark. And this is the mark of what the Bible teaches about forgiveness. That's why I believe it's something that intrigues us, fascinates us, and yet it's something that is so misunderstood by the churches today. And I want to try and clarify some things this morning. It's, I'm not going to be able to cover everything, but, but I really want us to understand something, that for a child of God, for a child of God, a child of God must forgive. And that unforgiveness unforgiveness for the believer is never the work of the Holy Spirit. It can't be. And so the child of God must forgive. And in this passage, we're going to see a little bit about uh, what this is trying to communicate to us. Now, it's really fascinating because this misunderstanding is something that robs us as Christians and even puts us in a very, very dangerous situation. It's like, for example, um, a student who's enrolled at a school. Can you imagine a student's enrolled at a school and they get to school and they go to class and the teacher looks on the class list and they say, oh, you're not here. You're not here. Oh, okay, but I thought I was enrolled. No, you're not here. And because you're not here, you can't sit in my class. Because you're not here, you can't have recess. Because you're not here, you can't do sports. Because you're not here, you can't represent the school. Because you're not here. There's something wrong with that. Or imagine the student 
that actually uh, is enrolled, he's actually enrolled, but he gets to school and he does this. I'm not doing anything. No, I'm not, I'm not picking up a pen. I'm not kicking a ball. I'm not representing the school. There's something wrong with that. Both scenarios have something wrong with that because that enrollment of that student has to represent something lived out, worked out and experienced in the life of that school. And so forgiveness is often misunderstood. It's something that people say, I'm forgiven, and it stops. And yet there is this struggle sometimes to transition into the next um, natural thing that the, the child of God is called to do and to be someone not only who understands the forgiveness of God but who is able to forgive. A child of God must forgive. Unforgiveness is never the work of the Holy Spirit. So it's fascinating. It's fascinating for us because we love to hear about forgiveness. We'd love to hear about what God is doing uh, in people's lives. I don't know about you, but don't you love to hear stories about forgiveness in people's lives? When people talk about the forgiveness in their life or how God forgave them, that's what we call those testimonies. You know, people, we love to hear about the forgiveness of God in people's lives. Even the Bible, we get fascinated with it. We get fascinated with uh, how people are forgiven. Look at, for example, the woman who is caught in adultery in the New Testament, and they bring her to Jesus. And then we realize Jesus actually confronts her accusers to the point where there's no more accusation for her. And Jesus says, I don't, I don't condemn you either. We, we are intrigued by that story. We're fascinated by that story. We're even, we're even encouraged by that story as well. Or Joseph in the Old Testament, who was so badly treated by his brothers, that he was sold by his brothers. They, they, they cast him out, like he, and then they lied to their dad to say that he was killed by some animal. And here he was years later, able to forgive them. And we're fascinated by the story. We're intrigued by the story, even, even encouraged by the story. And yet what happens is this. And I wonder if we do that. I wonder if it's because we identify with those stories. I wonder if it's because it's similar to our experience. We look at the woman caught, caught in adultery and realize we've done something really bad as well. Or we've been caught out for something that we've done. You know, we've been, something's happened and, and it's been realized. And so we identify with these stories. Or Joseph. Maybe you feel like someone who is completely mistreated by someone else and all of a sudden you realise that there is, there is someone has let you down in some ways and so you identify with the story of Joseph. Friends, listen, brothers and sisters, these stories can intrigue us. They can encourage us. They can inspire us. But at the end of the day, they're just stories unless they change us. They have to change us. They have to create in us a faith that allows us to forgive just the same way that we've been forgiven. You cannot choose to not forgive. You cannot choose to be someone who does not forgive when you understand the depth and the seriousness of God's forgiveness towards you. So in this passage in Matthew 18, Jesus is talking about forgiveness. He's talking about a brother who sins against us. And he's giving them the story and what they need to do, bring them, you know, go tell him, then bring two or three witnesses and then bring it to the church. And he's talking about forgiveness. And in verse 21, something happens. And I find this interesting because something in particular happens in Peter's heart. Peter's heart is being stirred. And you can imagine Peter's listening to Jesus. He's, he's contemplating the words of Jesus. And something is being stirred in Peter's heart. 
and he's intrigued by this conversation that Jesus is having about forgiveness and he can't perhaps help himself, but he then goes on and says this in verse 21. Then Peter came to him, and I don't know whether that means he came quietly, secretly. Maybe there was something he wanted to share. I'm not sure. Peter came to him. He came to him and he said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I don't say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So Peter addresses the, uh, Jesus addresses the issue for Peter. Now, I don't know if Peter had been struggling with something. I don't know whether someone had just offended him. I don't know whether he was in the midst of an experience where he was struggling to forgive someone. But he goes up to Jesus and he's intrigued by this comment about forgiving a brother who sins. And he says, and he, and he just says, Lord, up to seven times. And there's some reasons why he might have said seven attached to the Old Testament. But the point here is that he asks Jesus this question. And then Jesus says, no, listen, I want to tell you something more. I want you to do it 70 times seven. I want you to be a person who is constantly ready to be forgiving. I want you to be a person who has no limits to their forgiveness, a person who has no restriction to their forgiveness. Like you, I want you to represent the mercy of the Father. And just like he was merciful to you, I want you to be merciful. Now, it's interesting with Peter because maybe he was someone who kind of wrestled with this because why was it Peter later on who struggled with the washing of his feet? And why was it Peter later on who was the one found denying the Lord who needed to experience the forgiveness of God, the forgiveness of Jesus? Maybe it was something Peter needed, really needed to experience because maybe it was something he was really struggling in his heart with. And this morning, friends, brothers and sisters, listen, you struggle with forgiveness. Either God forgiving you or you forgiving someone else. And the Lord Jesus Christ is present this morning, listen, to bring healing, healing in your heart that you may be set free, that you may go and forgive others. The Lord Jesus Christ is a compassionate Lord and he wants to set you free. You cannot live and you cannot stay in an unforgiven state. And Peter, Peter is in intrigue with this. So I want to ask you this morning, friends, I want to ask you this morning, are you forgiven? Such a simple question, isn't it? Are you forgiven? Are all your sins washed away? Has everything you've done that brought you guilt and shame been cleansed and been washed by the blood of Jesus? Have your sins been thrown into the deepest sea as far as the east is from the west? God remembers them no more, that you look back and you know that everything you have said, everything you have done, everything that you have thought, everything that you have spoken has been forgiven by God. Not, don't worry about man for a moment. Forgiven by God. That God looks at you and says, my son, my daughter, you are forgiven. You are cleansed. You are washed. You are white as snow. In fact, he says, I'll take your sins that were as scarlet and make them as white as snow. So let's reason together. So friends, listen, are you forgiven? Are you sure that there isn't something that when you think about your life, that, that God, that you haven't really confessed to the Lord, that you haven't really honestly said to the Lord, 
I need forgiveness in this area, that you're holding something back. Maybe you're ashamed. Maybe you're embarrassed. Maybe someone has told you God will never forgive this. I don't know what it is, but are you holding something back this morning? Or are you saying, can you confidently say that I am a child of God because God has forgiven me? And my brothers and sisters, if you are, then do you hold any grudges this morning? Is there any unforgiveness in your heart? Is there something that you know that you haven't dealt with? There is someone you know that you haven't from the depth of your heart forgiven. Oh, you might smile and show a happy face and be friendly and maybe even a hug and hang out with, but in the depth of your heart, have you forgiven them? Is there a grudge? Is there something in your heart toward that person? Has someone, has someone let you down? Has someone um, um, broken your heart in some way? Has someone hurt you in some way? God has chosen this incredible thing called forgiveness as the means to reconcile. And I find that fascinating. He didn't choose something else. He chose forgiveness as the means to reconcile. Um, he didn't choose negotiation. He didn't say, come on, let's negotiate things. Let's work it out. I'm sure we can come out with some sort of agreement. He didn't choose some kind of uh, payment in some ways. He didn't choose communication as the way to reconcile people. He chose forgiveness. You can communicate with someone as much as you want and you can set up strategies to get along with them as much as you want, but the means that God chose to reconcile us and him and us and others is forgiveness. That's the means he chose. And so God now is wanting to deal with you and him and then you and other people. Are your sins forgiven? You know, in my previous house, we had when we did some concrete Concreting our kids, I think, wrote their names like their initials on the concrete. Do you feel like your sins are like that? They're etched in concrete and they're never going to go. That's not God. God comes because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the cross, and He smashes up the concrete and He lays down a new concrete, and your sins are never to be found again. Your sins before God must be forgiven. And now God calls you to forgive others. If you're holding a grudge this morning, if you're unforgiving this morning, that must be dealt with. God warns with serious warning that unforgiveness must not exist in the heart of the believer. What's interesting is that we are people who love to be forgiven. We love generally to be forgiven. If we go up to someone and say, please forgive me, and they say no, we, we, we kind of get really upset about that. But we love to be forgiven. But we are not generally people who always find it easy to forgive. Maybe it's because there's this thing called self that exists in us, that somehow we feel, me, if I do something wrong, I kind of deserve to be forgiven. But if someone else does something wrong, well, why should I forgive them? And this thing called self still exists in us. And this thing called self has to go. It has to be dealt with. It has to be laid down. It has to be crucified with the Lord because the Lord Jesus Christ, you can't move and exist and have your being in the Lord if self wants to continue to live and reign. You see, when we get out of the way and think, Lord, I don't deserve forgiveness. As if somehow I came before God and thought, it wasn't very hard for God to forgive me because I was generally a pretty good person. No, that is completely wrong. 
That is completely wrong according to the scriptures. If you think that somehow you weren't that bad of a person before you came to the Lord, regardless of what you did, and you've got the message of the Lord all wrong, we must come before God understanding that we have done nothing and not deserving at all to be forgiven. God in his compassion came to us and forgave us. And so then we are transformed the way we see our forgiveness towards other people. So Matthew 18, Peter's wrestling with this thing. And so Jesus, maybe to help Peter out, says, okay, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about a story about a king and his servants. And this is a story that I want to read with you this morning. Turn to Matthew 18, verse, verse 23. The Bible says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle his accounts with his servants. And I want to just stop from verse to verse because I want to just share with you some thoughts and ideas with this, this passage. So the Bible says the kingdom of heaven is like his king because he wants to settle his accounts with his servants. You understand this is a beautiful passage because what Jesus is saying to Peter is, listen, everything about forgiveness and everything about God restoring man and God, and so God, man and God and man and man starts with God. The king decided, I want to settle the accounts. The king decided. It's not like man turned around and said, I want to settle my accounts. No, the king decided that he wanted to settle his accounts. So he reached out to you. The Bible says we only love him because he first loved us. Don't kid ourselves. Let's not kid ourselves. If God chose not to initiate his love for us, we would still be spitting in his face. We're not good. We're not somehow, somehow we're, we're smart that we would somehow find our way to God? No way. Remember the lost sheep? The lost sheep couldn't find its way back to God. It didn't have some sort of GPS to get back to God. No, God reached out. God reached out. And so the king decided he would settle his accounts. And listen, this morning, I just imagine there are people listening this morning who the king has decided, the king of kings has decided that he wants to settle the account with you. He wants to settle the account with you. He wants you once and for all to deal with what is going on in your heart, the thing that people can't see, the thing that you, you cover, but at the same time you realise that it's something that hasn't been confessed or something with someone else that hasn't been dealt with. You know, the psalmist in Psalm 32 said, his, I think it was Psalm 32, he said his, his whole bones, his bones were like sore because he did not confess his sins to and so the Lord says here, the king decides to settle. It's like God starts everything. Remember Adam and Eve? They didn't seek after God. They ran from God. The very first sin in the Bible, they run. And God says, let me settle it. And he organizes the skin of animals to settle this sin, this problem that was happening. God settles his accounts. God deals with it. God reaches out for it. You must come and run to him. You must come and embrace the very forgiveness the Lord has has, uh, uh, is reaching out to give you. Verse 24. And when he began to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, I love this because people love to talk about what does this actually mean? What does 10,000 talents actually mean? Listen, whatever it means, whatever it means, what it does mean is this. There is nothing in this world that you could ever do to somehow fix your debt with God. No matter what you've done, 
It could be one sin. It could be a million of them. It could be something that is small in the eyes of people. It could be something that's gross in the eyes of people. It doesn't really matter. Whatever you have done, don't fool yourself to gauge the sin and compare it with the world. Don't put it on a scale and say, well, mine aren't too bad, but, oh, my friends, his is really bad, so I'm kind of okay. No, your sins that are few are just as gross, just as bad, just as severe as the one who does one, as, uh, as the one who does many, sorry. And so what God is saying here is this, no matter what you do, there is never anything you can do to solve the debt you have with God. It is God who must solve it with you. And so people refer to 10,000 talents. Some people say it's millions of dollars by today's standards. I've even heard one, one person refer to it as billions of dollars by today's standards. But regardless of what it is, the point is this, you can't pay it back. You can't pay it back. There's no amount of effort you can make to fix this debt before God. So what does that mean? Well, let's see what the Bible says. Verse 25. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment must be made. This is the beautiful thing. What God is highlighting here. It's because the debt is so big, payment still has to be made. You understand that? God doesn't overlook sin and say, it doesn't matter. They're just they're, they're children. It doesn't really matter. And, and then one day we'll get to heaven and we, think, we see God as this big kind of nice father who says, come, everyone, I changed my mind. No, God doesn't think like that. God did pay for sin. He sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. That if we believe in him and we believe he shed his blood for our sins, then payment is made. This is the gospel. God can't send his son into the world and then say to everyone, I changed my mind. I let my son suffer and die just because I just, you know, I just thought it was a nice thing to do. No, God chose that the only way that you can resolve and have payment made is to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this payment has to be made. Something has to happen. And so the king says, you know what? Go. He says to them, um, uh, go sell the man, go sell his wife, go sell his children because I want my money. Payment has to be made. Now, it's interesting that he makes reference to his wife and his children because maybe what God is saying is this. The consequences of our sin, and not just us, the consequences of our sin reach out to those that we love as well. We might think it's just about us, and it is primarily about us and God, but just maybe God has put this here because he wants us to realise that when we sin against God, it also has this kind of ripple effect on others that we love as well. And so God, so the king is saying, I need to make payment. I need to make payment. Verse 26, what can the servant do? What in the world is he capable of doing other than doing what he did in verse 26? The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. <laughs> have patience with me and I'm going to pay you all. This is a really, again, another fascinating um, scripture because the servant understood this that he can't do anything he can't do anything else but to come before God and desperately seek his mercy you understand that that he knew that the only thing he could do was to come before God and desperately seek his mercy this was 
This was the hand of God. This is the beauty of God working in um, in uh, the lives of um, his people. This is the beauty of God. So this man, verse 26, I just want to read it out to you again. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. I will pay you all. So he knew that the only thing he could do was to, without, without any other chance but to come before God desperately and say, God, I need your mercy. I need your forgiveness. Just be patient with me. Be patient with me. Even desperately, you know, sometimes when it comes to how we feel before the Lord, I want you to consider something. Maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes the issue isn't the fact that God's not willing to forgive, but the issue is that we don't want it so desperately. That somehow we don't think it's that serious. That somehow we don't think it's that bad. And so God, this man is saying, Lord, I need your patience with me. Verse 27, he says this, Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him his debt. Don't you love this? The master um, moved with compassion because this is the compassion of God. God is moved to forgive someone of their sin. And what's the beautiful thing about this is, is in this passage is that God says he has compassion on him and then he releases him because forgiveness, listen, forgiveness comes with freedom. It comes with the freedom of God to go and be Christ to other people. Forgiveness brings that freedom. He's released. He's released from the problems he's having. He's released from the debt that he has. You remember the lady who um, was, uh, was committed, who was caught in adultery that I referred to before? When she was forgiven, what did Jesus say to her? He said, I forgive you, now go and sin no more. I forgive you and now you're released. I forgive you and now you can go live freely in the faith that you've been called to. Do you think this man was, was, was released so he could go and create another debt for himself to the master? Of course not. This man wasn't released so he can go build himself another debt. This man was released so he can have no more debt, that he could go and live freely now, knowing that his debt has been cleared. I love this story because what God is reminding us here is that God is forgiving God is forgiving so that we can be free to go and forgive others. But there was a problem. This man, this man knew just how great God's mercy was. This man knew just how amazing God's mercy was. What was he going to do with this? How is he going to translate this into his life? And so we read here, if you keep looking with me at verse uh, verse. 28. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what I owe. What's going on? What's going on? And this is a part of the scriptures that is very, uh, I find very um, fascinating and it's heavy because this man had just been forgiven so much of his debt that he sees someone who we know by 100 denarii by today's standards, not much at all. It could be thousands, but compared to millions or even billions, not much at all. And he grabs him by the throat and says, pain. Did he really forget? Did he really forget 
how much he was forgiven? Was he really able to, to, to forget just the depth of his own forgiveness and the severity of his own debts and how much the master had compassion on him? Was he able to forget or to resist that very forgiveness that the father had given him, the master had given him? And what's even more amazing, if you look at the next verse, so his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Is this here? So this man, in his own mind and heart, it could be triggered that he did the same thing to the master, he did the same thing to the king, that he actually said the same thing, have patience with me and I'll pay it all. Is it here? So that he, can re he can remember that he was in the same condition. It's like the person who says, forgive me, I've done something really wrong to you. And then you have to remember that you said the same thing to God, forgive me because I've done something really wrong to you. Is it here as a reminder to this man that just stop for a moment before you make a decision, before you go down any path here, remember you were in the same boat. This man's words are reminding you. But he finds his heart resisting. And verse 30, the Bible says, and he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. He threw him into prison. How is that mercy? How is that a reflection of the mercy that he was shown? How is that a reflection of the love that he was shown, the forgiveness that he was shown? He says, no, listen, I know what you owe me and I'm going to put you into prison until you have paid the last bit. Where is that? Where is that in line? Now, we look at that today and we think, wow, that's crazy. How can that be? But when we think about our own lives, we think about a similar thing. God the Father has so graciously forgiven us. How can we then choose not to forgive? Listen, the Bible is very clear in the scriptures. A child of God must forgive, and the unforgiveness is never God's work in the believer. Unforgiveness can't be, and it's very seriously warned for us as well. So look at then verse 30, verse 31. I'm going to read 31 to 35. So when his fellow servants saw what he had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. And so my heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow. Why does God even put that in there? Why does God even want to tell us about this end bit? What's, what's going on? What's, what's he trying to communicate to us? And we can get into so many theological discussions about this. We can get into so many ideas about what he's actually trying to say this. But I still believe that the reason, one of the reasons God has put this in here is to show us and to demonstrate this is of utmost seriousness. This is a very serious warning for the Christian because the Christian must forgive and unforgiveness is never the work of God's spirit in our lives. And so much so that this man found himself in prison himself. And God is warning us with great seriousness and warning that you will not escape this if you choose not to believe. I believe personally, I think he's saying here that it's in this life and in the life to come. 
And you must not, there is no choice for the Christian. The Christian who understands the forgiveness of God in his life chooses and is moved by the same mercy to forgive other people. God warns with great warning. Great warns. God warns with great seriousness. And he wants us to be people who forgive. I don't know, friends. I don't know if your hearts are broken. I don't know if, um, um, you know, you, you find it hard to let go of things. I don't know whether you have grudges in your heart. It's like, it's like two little boys who are fighting and, they, and they're fighting, yelling at each other and the mum calls them in and says, kind of sit down. And the boys can't let it go. They just can't let it go. Have you ever seen that before? Two little, they're just like, just can't let it go. You started it. No, you started it. But you said this, yeah, but you broke that. But you threw this. And, 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 and the mum's trying to control them, but they, they both want to get the last word in until some kind of explanation is made and, and they're nodding their heads. But in their hearts, they're not really wanting to let it go. Have you ever felt like that? Children, have you ever felt like that? Where maybe you, you're being told to do something and you're nodding, but in your heart you still want to do your own thing? And it's like once it's all resolved or supposedly resolved, the mum gets up and she walks off and one boy goes to the other boy and slaps him behind the head because he can't let it go. He just can't let it go. I don't know whether you're broken. I don't know where you're hurting. I don't know if your heart is hard. I don't know if your heart is scarred. I don't know. But I know this, that when the mercy of God comes into our lives and we experience the depth of his forgiveness, the child of God is free is free to then be able to forgive other people. Child is able to free to be able to forgive others. It cannot be unforgiveness in the heart of the believer. When we come before a great and compassionate God, maybe even desperately, maybe you need to come before him even desperately and say, Lord, I need forgiveness myself. I need forgiveness myself. And maybe you need to come desperately before God because you're finding it hard to forgive other people. You say, God, I need desperately to be forgiven. Maybe, maybe the forgiveness is my own unbelief. Maybe the forgiveness is my own hardness of heart, whatever it is. But God, I need desperately to be forgiven because I know as a child of God, you are calling for me to forgive others. People worry when they forgive. They worry, they think, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? If I forgive, what do I have to do with this person? Don't worry about that. Don't worry about what the method is after you need to forgive, after you have to forgive someone. Don't panic about the method of what needs to be done. Who's going to tell you what needs to be done? It's God who tells you what needs to be done. God will deal with that. The issue today is the condition of your soul. It's the soul that you need to be concerned about. You need to get this right before God. And once you choose to forgive, let God deal with what has to be done. That's God's decision. You and God, he'll sort that out, I believe. But your soul is the condition of your soul that needs to be dealt with. Some of you would be familiar with the story of a, a lady, a beautiful lady called Corrie Ten Boom, Corrie Ten Boom who, was, um, who suffered under the hands of the, the Nazi guards during, in Germany during, uh, during the war. And she hid Jews. She hid Jews and uh, she cared for them. And then she was caught. And her and her family ended up in concentration camp and they suffered so much. Her sister died. Her family died. They suffered so much. She survived. Her faith survived through this time. And afterwards, she went off and 
started talking around Germany and around Europe, the forgiveness of God, how she was able to forgive. And she tells a story about once she was giving a talk about forgiveness and as she was talking and at the end of her talk, this man comes up to her and she gets all shocked, she gets all startled because it was one of the guards known to be the cruelest guards in the camp that she was in coming up to her and she recognised him but he didn't recognise her because there were so many prisoners, he didn't recognise her. And she felt herself overcome by a sense of obligation to forgive but at the same time, it's real difficulty to do this. And I want to read you something here. It says this. The man comes up to her and says, he puts out his hand. He says, thank you for your fine message. He said, how wonderful it is to know that all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. And she's kind of having this conversation with him, which feels like in seconds, but it feels like hours with this man. He goes on to say this. I have come to know Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. It has been hard for me to forgive myself for all the cruel things I did, but I know that God has forgiven me. And please, if you would, I would like to hear from your lips that God has forgiven me too. And this kind of just overwhelmed her. She didn't know what to do. She knew she had to, but she felt she couldn't. Because you've got to remember, she suffered under the hand of this man. She goes and writes this in her diary. Despite being so difficult in what she had to do, knowing she had to do, um, she, she put out his hand and she, she grabbed his hand and she wrote this. An incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm and sprang into, the jo into our joint hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long time, we grasped each other's hands and the former guard and the former prisoner, the former guard, the former prisoner, I had never known God's love so intensely as I did now. Remarkable. Let God deal with what it means. The condition or the, the, the issue is the condition of your soul. A child of God must forgive. Unforgiveness is never the work of God's spirit in the believer. I believe forgiveness brings freedom, brothers and sisters. It brings freedom. When God forgives, what he does, he gives us back a part of us that could never work before. When we know forgiveness, when we understand the forgiveness of God, he gives us back our feet. Not that we can look at our feet and think, oh, how lovely is our shoes, or that we can kick the person who actually upset us. Now, he gives it back our feet so we can walk with compassion to those who need it, even those who hurt us. He gives us back our hands when we forgive. He gives us back our hands, not that we can make a fist and punch the person who hurt us. No, he gives us back our hands so we can reach out with compassion and help the one that needs help, even if they hurt us. He gives us back our eyes, beloved. He gives us back our eyes so that not that we can look and try and find faults in the ones that we're upset with, but with compassion, we can look upon them and find the way that Jesus was compassionate toward them. He gives us back our words, not that we can curse the people that have hurt us, but we can go and speak life into their lives. You see, the reason why Jesus heals these things in our life is that we can go and be the hands and feet of Jesus to those who need it because often, listen, often they do not know what they are doing. And I think it's an absolute 
privilege, incredibly important, and utmost seriousness, that when the Christian experiences the forgiveness of God, they themselves know they must forgive others. And this morning, brothers and sisters, if you for some reason struggle with God's forgiveness towards you, I encourage you to come before a compassionate God, even desperately, and say, Lord, I need forgiveness. I know what I've done. I know what, I know what I've done, even if no one else knows. I know what I'm doing, even if no one else knows. I know the damage it's causing myself and my loved ones, even if nobody else knows. And I desperately ask you, Lord, forgive me. And the Lord promises that he will. And if you're a child of God and you struggle to forgive someone else, in your heart there is a grudge. In your heart there is coldness. In your heart it is scarred. And in your heart it is hard. And I ask you to come before a compassionate God this morning, even desperately, and say, Lord, I must forgive. Lord, forgive me for whatever it might be, but I must forgive. Because this is the work of the Christian. A Christian must forgive. And as the Holy Spirit works in our heart and gives us back those parts of our body that we know that before we were, they, were, they were limited, restricted, stifled by our own self. We are free now to use these for the forgiveness of others and for the glory of God. Let me pray for us as a church, beloved, this morning. Let me pray as we, as we ask the Lord to, to um, come and speak into our lives uh, words of truth, words of healing, uh, words of, of power, words of mercy, that he comes and works in our hearts these wonderful things. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for today. I thank you, Lord, for a time of worship where we can, we can surrender. I thank you, Lord, for a time of um, hearing your word where we can just reflect on the great mercy of God. Lord, we're not just forgiven. We're more than just forgiven. Father, we are free to forgive others. And, Lord, if there's anything in our hearts that is stopping the forgiveness of other people, I pray, Lord, that you deal with it now, that you come and wash away our sins, that you come and cleanse us from all unbelief, all hardness of heart, and that you place in us a love by the power of your spirit to be able to forgive others. Lord, I pray, go work deep in the hearts of those who are hearing this morning those who are ready to hear, those who are open to hear. And I pray, Lord God, that there'd be great restoration among your people. So I thank you, Father, and pray your blessing as we, as we continue through this service and the things that are happening. I pray, Lord God, that you continue to bless this day ahead of us. In Jesus' name. Amen.